over these uh, couple of weeks, last couple of weeks, the theme has been plant a tree, uh, become a tree uh, of faith, and then plant a tree. And um, uh, I uh, have been speaking uh, through some series while while I'm here, and you know those those don't happen on Sunday morning. And, and as we chose, I chose this passage a while back for this particular time. I uh, had no idea, you know, what we'd be facing. It's John 15, 1 through 5, which I'll read in just a minute. But uh, it's a passage on the vine and the branches, how we become a strong branch. And uh, Jesus uh, wrote or told this story to his disciples about being a strong branch on the tree uh, on the night before he died. John chapter 13 through 21, basically, uh, over a third of the book of John has to do with the last night and then the, the three days that followed, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension uh, later uh, in the book of John. So he uh, gave, them, gave them this story the night before he died, probably after they ate the Lord's Supper together with the disciples in the upper room and then made their way, Jesus made his way down to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. So this story that we're going to look at this morning happened in a, a time of great, a time of was coming, of great disruption. The disciples, even though Jesus had, had been with them for three years and, and they knew that uh, he had taught them many things, weren't quite aware yet of what was coming. Jesus was, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be buried, that the disciples, as they knew him, he'd been with them for three and a half years, were not going to have him around anymore. So Jesus was preparing his disciples with this story in a way that they couldn't quite comprehend at the time, to be a strong branch because he wasn't going to be with them physically anymore. So we're going to get that in, in the story as we go along. But as I say that, uh, Jesus was preparing his disciples for disruptive times, uncertain times, unsettling times, different kinds of times, which I think these last few weeks fit in our culture. A lot of uncertainty out there, a lot of unsettling things. We, we have so much information coming in so many different ways and so many different viewpoints on it. But the bottom line is, as Sarah so wonderfully prepared us with worship, what do we hold on to in our life? What do we really hold on to? The song that we sang about the anchor in the age I am came back to the old uh, him my anchor holds. The anchor holds. Is that an old quartet song or is that a, I don't know how it is. But it was a great song. But Jesus is indeed our true vine. Our anchor. Do we really believe that? John 15, 1 through 5, I'm going to read this, um, is the passage. <clears throat> I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. 
You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So Jesus gives them these words. And his primary word to them was, remain in me. Some translations use the word abide. But the bottom meaning of both of those terms or whatever term is used is stay connected to me. Remain in me. Hold on to me. I'm your anchor. I'm your vine. You are the branches. And as branches, he said, you're, you're to go out and bear fruit because Jesus knew he was going to be gone. And these were the 12 men that he had entrusted all of, all of the spread of Christianity after he died. So he was saying to them, look, this is what you need to be ready for. But it's not up to you. Just remain in me. Remain in me. That's the kind of truth we all need when we're in these kinds of times. What's our anchor? What's our, our true north? What's our point that we hold on to that doesn't change? Part of the panic that's around us is because people don't have an anchor, don't have a point of reference, don't have a, a point of strength in their lives. So it's becomes a fear response. So Jesus was saying to them, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then he uses three progressive phrases about what he is entrusted to them to do. Bear fruit. Then the next verse says, bear more fruit. And the last verse says, bear much fruit. In the middle of that, he talks about pruning the branches that bear no fruit, cutting off the branches that bear no fruit, even pruning back the good branches that bear fruit. So he packs a lot into these few verses. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. In other words, he's saying to them, be productive. Be the kind of person others can count on that bring this message of love and hope and salvation bear that kind of fruit. Now, 2,000 years later, that's, that's what the Lord is saying to us. Remain in me. Now, I find this interesting uh, that Jesus would simply use that, that phrase. He didn't say, here, here is uh, the 10-point plan you need to do to be productive. You know, in the business world today, we have mission and vision statements and and values, all of those are things, very good things. We have to think through them and do them. But Jesus said, it was like kind of last phrase, remain in me to bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. You're a branch. I'm the vine. So our, our fruitfulness is not dependent upon our 
talents, skills, strength, abilities, all of the things that, that we think make things happen. Jesus said, remain in me. And things will happen. So he says to them, remain connected. Connected to me. He uses the analogy of the vine and the branches. Now, Jesus used a lot of agricultural illustrations because there was a lot of agriculture at the time. And probably on the way from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, there were vines. There were fields with vines. So probably as they were walking, he said, look at these vines. I'm the vine. My father is the gardener. He's the one who created them. I'm the vine. I'm the source of strength. I'm the source of hope. I'm the source of life. You're the branches. As I said, preparing them. Remain connected to me. In the stories in John, as you go to the end of the book, there's, there's the progression from here where he gives them these words and then where Peter denies Jesus three times just a few hours later. So if you know that story, Peter follows Jesus all the way to where he's going to be led away to be crucified. And then someone comes up to him and says, hey, you know him. You're one of his disciples. No, I'm not. I don't even know him. Second time, Peter denies knowing him. Third time, Peter says, no, I don't know who he is. No connection. But in the last chapter of John, chapter 21, after Jesus has been crucified, after he's resurrected, after he's come again to appear, it says to at least 500 after his resurrection, he goes down to the shore where Peter and some of the other disciples are fishing again. He makes breakfast with them, and then he pulls Peter aside. And if you know this story, he asks them three times, Peter, you love me. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me a second time? Peter, a third time, do you love me? You know, when somebody asks us the same question three times, don't you get annoyed? <laughs> but remember this. After Jesus has said these words to his disciples, within hours... Peter disconnected himself. And Peter failed the Lord. And he knew it. And so he kind of went back to fishing. Because that's what he knew. And he thought he'd never be useful again. And Jesus brings him down to the shore. He says three times, Peter, do you love me? Now, the interesting thing about it there's three different words in the Greek language for love. And Jesus used, uses the three in progression. The first one is the word for friendship, phileo. Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me as a friend? The second word is eros, which is the word for a romantic or feeling kind of love, deep feeling. Peter, do you eros? Do you love me from your heart? And then the third word is agape. Peter, do you agape? Do you love me? That's unconditional love, no matter what. 
for now and forever. You see, Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, Jesus is saying to him, Peter, I'm restoring you. You're my servant. Do you love me? Jesus was talking about the relationship. Are you connected to me? And Peter got it. That hard question. What if he would say to your face or my face, Craig, do you love me? Will you depend on me for everything as your anchor? Will you remain in me? Will you serve me? Will you be the kind of person others can depend on? Will you bear good fruit? Will you bear much fruit? Do you love me? That's the most penetrating question you can be asked. But that's the importance of why Jesus was saying, stay connected, because unless we're connected to Jesus, nothing else we do matters. We're fruitful because we remain connected. If our security is in Christ, no matter what's happening in the world around us, we understand, again, has been reiterated in Adonis' prayer and the worship songs we sang, our security and our anchor is to remain connected to Jesus. Now, the second part of this passage is the part that always kind of makes me uh, uncomfortable, personally. He says, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. Um, Essentially what he's saying is, Part of being fruitful, you got to cut out the dead wood out of your life. The branches that aren't bearing any fruit. Now, I don't, I'm not a, an expert at all on grapevines. But what I saw was that the wood on a grapevine, is, if it's not producing fruit, is really not good for anything. can't use it for firewood. It's too soft. It, it just doesn't work for anything else. It's just good... Good to be thrown away. So Jesus said, any branch that's not bearing any fruit is just going to crowd out the good branches. It'll get intertwined with the good wood that's bearing fruit. It's got to be cut off. Now, what's he referring to about that in our lives? There's, there's things we just got to remove. It's dead wood. It's not doing us any good. It may be old habits and patterns and practices that that we had ingrained in us for years, but we know that they're hurting us, that they're not responding to the way Christ is working within us, and the Lord will identify them if we let them. They just have to go. Sometimes Jesus is saying surgery is needed in our spirit. But beyond that, he says, but even the good branches, the ones that bear fruit, they've got to be cut back so that they can be even more fruitful. In other words, even the, the stuff in our life that is right and good and godly, Jesus said, let's refine that. Let's, that, let's make that a better branch so that more grapes grow. So the word I take out of this is we have to allow correction in our life. Now, anybody like to be corrected? Let me correct you, my brother. 
And we say, oh, yeah, tell me. <laughs> we don't like to be, or at least I don't like to be corrected. But part of living the Christian life is letting Jesus correct us in the ways that only he is worthy to do. If I don't like something about your life, that's not really the voice you need to listen to. You do need to listen to Jesus in your spirit. And when he says it's got to go, get it out. When he says this is a good branch, but there's some things that need to do better, surgery's not needed, but we've got to do some, some healing here, let him do it. So that we bear even more fruit. So he says, then in the third verse, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. What he's saying to the disciples is, I've been with you for three and a half years. You've walked with me. You know all of this. You, you've got enough to go forward. Realize that. Now, we never reach the point, as long as we're going to be on this earth until our dying breath, where we're perfected in our faith. We're always making progress. But along the way, we're going to be corrected. Corrected in the way we live. And the more we allow that to happen, the more Jesus can work. The more he can allow us to be fruitful. So that's why he came back to Peter, who had denied him three times. But instead of rebuking him, Jesus restores him. You see, that's how Jesus works in our life. He doesn't correct us to, to just punish us. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's to show how he cares so deeply about our relationship with him and what he wants for our life that he says in many common, ordinary things, if you'll just allow me to keep you on the right track, you'll do great things, much fruit. And the last thing he says is kind of the summary, verse 4 and 5. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The last part of that verse is important. A branch by itself can't do anything. It's got to be connected to the vine. We can't do anything that's going to matter for Jesus by ourselves. He didn't say, okay, now, now disciples, I've been with you, go do your thing. He said, remain connected. What the disciples didn't know at the time, but would find out. In fact, verse or chapter 14, just before this, Jesus gave them the teaching on the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit would be with them. We remain connected. They would be remaining connected to Jesus, not physically anymore. They wouldn't be walking with him daily, but his Holy Spirit would be inside of them, bringing them back, reminding them, teaching them all truth. That's how they remain connected. That's how you and I remain connected. We love Jesus, but we're not walking with him physically, but his Spirit is within us and is the one that keeps us moving forward. 
So that's what allows us to follow him with passion, to keep that strength, to keep that fruit-bearing life going forward. Now, practically speaking, that happens through a whole lot of ways, most of them small that accumulate. The random act of kindness, helping a little girl be able to go to the bathroom. Small thing. But small things are what will bring big things. Now, probably everyone here at some point of their life played the game of dominoes. Know what dominoes are. Uh, there's a little video about the power of dominoes. Watch this and then we'll come back. Everybody knows about playing with dominoes, but what you may not know is that a domino can knock over another domino, which is about one and a half times larger. So what I have here is a chain of dominoes. Each one is one and a half times larger than the previous one. And the smallest domino is about five millimeters high and one millimeter thick. And I will carefully place it. And there are 13 dominoes, and the largest domino it weighs about a hundred pounds and is more than a meter tall. Ready? Boom. That was 13 dominoes. If I had 29 dominoes, the last domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. Now, Jesus said a lot of things about bearing good fruit, much fruit, more fruit, greater works you will do than those that I have done. These grandiose terms that sometimes we say, well, that sounds good, but that's not really my life. But Jesus never said to, ch to change the 1,300-pound domino. He just said, do the next right thing, however little it might be and the way we treat others, and, and the practices we have. Instead of kind of cutting corners, we, we do the right thing. All, a lot of little steps in life, a lot of things that when they add up, Jesus multiplies them, not us. We never know about that 13th domino, how it falls. What was the first one? It was like, that's a little thing. See, Jesus doesn't care how many degrees we have or what our status in life is. In fact, if you look through Scripture, he uses so many little things, so many little acts, five loaves and two fishes. Little boy, five loaves and two fishes. Who was he to feed 5,000? But he gave it. So whatever our station in life, whatever our background, whatever we've done, no matter how far we've fallen or failed, no matter what has happened, Jesus can redeem and restore and make whole and make much fruit out of broken lives 
broken situations, broken people. Now, come back to where we started as I close the message. These are uncertain times. But situations like this just remind us that life is always uncertain. Life is always unsettling. We don't know from day to day. You can get up and get in your car and go out on the highway and some guy runs a red light and knocks right in. We, none of us. Oh, today is a certain day. Nothing's going to happen. It's just times like this that reminds us, where does, where does our anchor hold? Does it depend on your 401k? That's not in good shape this last week or two. Does it depend on everything being managed right and working right? All I'm trying to say is life, life is unsettling and uncertain. This life does not have anything really permanent to it. Other than Jesus who has said, I am with you always. I am the same yesterday and today and forever. And whatever you face and whatever you go through, whenever it is in life, I am with you always. So he was saying to those disciples and he says to us today, look, you are the ones that I've entrusted my life to, to carry on, to bear good fruit. Let's be people of good fruit. Let's be a church of good fruit. Let's let him work. We may be the little domino. We don't know where the big dominoes are. But he will work through us if we, if we do these things. Remain connected. Allow correction and follow passionately. Peter, do you love me? That's all he's asking. Do we love him and will we serve him? Thanks, Lord, for your work in our life. Apart from you, we, we can't do anything. All we can do is stay close to you, let you work in our life, so thank you, Lord, for this time together, for being among us this morning. For those who came out today, we know the uncertainty of things, but you are our certainty, and we know your spirit is here. Continue to guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.